Um, I wish I could open up some of these touchy subjects and just say, it's bad, let's go home. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I grew up hearing a lot of things taught that weren't in Scripture. And it's not that they were trying to do wrong. It's just there was nothing to bring it home to say, here's where conviction comes from, so let's look at biblical principles to change our mind. So I'm going to ask you guys to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians because I know tonight that I'm going to guess 90, 95% of the crowd, I would hope tonight, are believers. They're Christians. So I'm, I'm not going to take this from the angle of what the world would do, all right? And the world would sit there and start taking this from the angle of what's wrong with it, what's right with it, from my point of view, da-da-da, we argue all these different things, but we, we don't take them from a worldview, we take everything from a biblical view. And so, uh, from, from the very beginning, I have to start with who we are. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not standing on OSU campus in a class right now, going to sit here and debate or, or whatever, what's right and wrong, because they're not going to start with biblical truth of saying what is right and what is wrong. And so I want to I do this, and I want to take some time. And honestly, getting into this, I was like, man, there's so many principles, and there's so many stuff that I could explain and go into, and so many directions and stuff like this. But I'm, I'm hoping tonight I at least give you enough that you can walk out of here thinking about this and, and knowing what the Bible does say, because there's a lot of what the Bible does not say. And that's the problem. It's, it's hard to preach on things, because it, I, I wish I could say, the Bible says, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not smoke weed. And then we're just, okay, let's go home. You know, it, it'd be that simple. But the, the thing is, there's some things that we have in our lives that we debate on. And, and especially for you guys that are here and you say, well, I don't debate on this. Half the things you're going to talk about tonight, I don't debate on this. Well, there's a problem because there's a generation behind us that are not only, not, not only debating these things, they're accepting and living and carrying out, and it's, it's fully accepted. Right. Who's going to tell them what's right and wrong? And you say, well, I know what I believe. Great, thank God. But it's our responsibility to carry that out to the next generation to where they know what they believe. And let me tell you, just sitting them down saying, I think it's bad is not good enough. It's not. There's got to be more to it. And a lot of these things years ago wasn't even up for debate. It was just the, the wild childs that did that. And, you know, those that ran off the woodstock and stuff. Those were the, the, the things. But now this is culturally accepted. And I, I know I kind of used this morning as like smoking weed. You know, it was like the, the, the thing that I was trying to stir up curiosity or whatever, just because it is a hot topic. We, we decided as a staff that we wanted to get into things that we felt like were current events, things that are around us every single day, things that your kids are facing with. And how do we bring them back to the Bible and put them on biblical truths? So if we're, if we're asking the question, is it wrong to smoke weed? If it's wrong to smoke, period, and, and all these things. And I was, I was talking to some high school students one time, and they were trying to name the f number of friends that they knew that did not smoke weed. And I was like, you're kidding I'm like, it's not even legal in Ohio. And we're talking about ninth and 10th graders and things like that. And this, this is such a big deal. And the questions come up, if God made it, what's wrong with it? If I'm not hurting anybody, if it's my body, it's my business. Once again, all those things are worldly perspectives. They're not biblical angles whatsoever. And so we also get in. That's why I wanted to bring this up. I, guys, I don't mind stirring the pot with you guys. I don't mind at all. I don't mind coming in here and provoking you guys to think 
because I hope I agitate you enough to say that you're going to prove me wrong and you go home and dig in your Bible. Well, I did a good job if I do that. My job isn't to say this is what you are to believe. No, the Bible is what you should believe, not Pastor Tony whatsoever. But if you sit there and say, well, I, I believe otherwise, or I believe it says that, man, then go home and dig it out. Search the scriptures. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Dig into this stuff. Know where you stand. Not for, for the youth group and the teens and the, the, the college groups and stuff that are in here. Don't dare walk out of here and say, well, I don't agree with Pastor Tony. Well, then you better know why you don't agree with Pastor Tony or what I'm teaching or preaching. Because you can't just go by what your parents have said and passed on. So, so get into it. We've got into this. I'm not really touching on this, but it's all kind of substance abuse. Is it, is it a sin to drink or have a wine cooler? Or where's the line with that? Or drunk versus drinking and social drinking versus getting hammered and crossover into smoking and is it a bad habit or is it sin and, and, da, 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 and all these other things that go into this and it, I, I feel like every time you say something like this that Pastor Tony's about to jump up and judge everybody so we're on the edge of our seat thinking how dare you call me out when everybody else is sinners you're right these are sensitive issues you know why because there are good people that love God that struggle with these things I want, I want you guys to get that there's good people and I'm going to say some really tough stuff to, to grab a hold of. So you guys love me as I do this because I'm not, I'm not doing any saying anything tonight that, that I don't feel like God absolutely wants me to say. We are quick to put certain sins into the bad sin category. You, you know what I'm saying? There, there are sins of Christians and there's bad sin categories. Someone who smokes has this outward addiction and we're quick to judge them. But the same person that's judged them has a porn addiction or struggles with eating and that's okay. You know why? Because nobody knows about my sinner. It's not blatant. I'm not walking through the door of the church with a playboy in my hands. But I, I did stand out by my car and smoke a cigarette before we came in. And then we're sitting there, and I was like, what, what about your hearts? What about these different addictions or sins or that thing that has captured your heart or you can't get away from? It's still something. So remember as we go through this. So this is my hot topic tonight is substance abuse. Now substance abuse is defined as an overindulgence or a dependency on an addictive substance. So I'm going to throw in some other things and just throw these things out for you guys to think upon as I go through here. If we're talking about that, would caffeine be considered to this? Should we be talking about Red Bull and, you know, and, and espresso and all these other things that we indulge in and like should, should we be talking about food should we be talking about sugar should we talk about chocolate is, is it where do we draw the line what makes something wrong and something bad where does the bible say these things if the bible said thou shalt not smoke or thou shalt not do weed or whatever is it bad for your health here's here's what i get and i want you guys to know where i used to struggle when i was a teenager now i didn't struggle with weed okay before you all come out of here I knew something was wrong with that guy if smoking is bad for your health and that's the argument that I've heard all growing up then why is it that we make a big deal out of it but we justify preachers that can get up here and talk about those types of things but they can be 400 pounds and talk about gravy and chicken and biscuits oh it's getting quiet I, just, I don't understand that I, I can name preachers that would get up and they would talk about all these things and they would rib face and get up there and talk about all these other issues. And if the other issues are dealing with your health and your body is the temple of God, 
then it's just as wrong to overdo a buffet than it is to go out and light up. Amen? Okay, all right, you're, you're with me. I told you this isn't comfortable, and I'm not sitting here. I, I promise you, every person in this room, we have those vices, and where, where do we draw the lines on this? And how dare we sit there and point out somebody else when we have our own things? I, I mean, I just, I would get aggravated with things like that when I was a kid, and I'm wondering, why is your sin okay, but their sin is not? So tonight, I, I, I want to speak on what the Bible does say rather than what the Bible does not. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to start about with whose we are and our purpose and our point. And I'll take a little time setting this up, and then I'm going to just give you six questions. And that's how I'm going to preach my message tonight. I'm going I'm to go through everything you do and just say, all right, w- let's not argue. I'm going to let you go home and ask yourself these six questions with everything that you do. And honestly, I thought about 10 questions, but I'm going to narrow it down to about six because I realized my notes kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I was trying to figure out how can I do this and not confuse everybody and whatever. So I'm talking to Christians tonight. Let me tell you guys right now, before we even get set the side of weed, smoking, drinking, caffeine, chocolate, all that other stuff aside, let's, let's start with something else. Whose are you? What do you live for? And why are you here? That's why we're going to start, because before we get into any of those things, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. What is the unrighteousness? What is wrong? What is so debated? Be not deceived. And it's just say, let, let me just lay out this, the, the truth of this, because the world has blurred the lines and debated all these things. Now, I started just to do a Bible study, and then my notes literally got huge, and I I literally deleted this out. But neither fornicators, and and the the Greek word for fornicator there is pornos, porno, nor idolaters, adulterers, effeminates, abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 3, or 11. Now listen to this. And such were some of you. It's past tense. So so I'm going to illustrate this as we go through. There's such were some of you, literally meaning in past tense. Let me tell you about who you used to be. And I want to illustrate this tonight of who you are today. Every single one of us should not reflect at all who we used to be. the baptism whole thing that we do if you don't understand that it's a picture of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ Christian gets saved the old man and God says let me tell you about your old man buried dead past put it under water like putting it in a grave you're dead raised to walk in newness of life and we're quoting scripture when we say that you're not the same anymore so there is a big problem when Christians are debating and sitting there arguing about where they used to be rather than who they are. And if we would be more focused about who I am in Christ and what I've called to be, and I press toward the mark of the high calling of God, I would be less worried about where the line is, what I can do, and how far can I take it. It's a hard thing. So I, I, I want to lay this out as we, and such were some of you past tense, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
Now, I promise you right now, I could stop right there and spend the rest of the night on this. But I'd rather just take a minute and and illustrate this with you guys. And uh, I want want you just to take this visual of this, of us being the vessels of God. And sometimes I think maybe we we don't take the time enough to explain justif- our justification and, and sanctification and those things. So I'm going I'm to take a, a minute and illustrate this to you guys as we go through this. And we're such some of you, okay? And what made the transition? What made the change of past tense of who I was? Well, I, he goes through and explains this. He says, but you were washed. You got to understand how we were washed. It says, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed. Something happened when God took us out of the miry pit. So this is an illustration all of you would have. Not one person, I hope, would take this and go over here and set the table for guests. Would anybody here do that? Please tell me, no, you wouldn't do that. Okay, that's, I, I hope every one of you would say that's disgusting. Nobody would have you over for dinner and, and grab out of the sink saying, I'll be right there, you know, and then run over there and do that. It's, it's, it's gross and disgusting. You have to understand that we serve a holy God And he said to be holy for I am holy, sanctified, separated, all the different things that he talks about. And you say, I can't do that. I can't clean up my life. I can't be this and be that. And say, you're right, you can't. But you can through the power of God because you were washed. The the Bible says a lot about what God has done in our lives. Every time we are washed according to the spirit of God and the word of God, God has a power, a cleaning agent about him that he changes me. The renewing of your mind, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God does a work in every single one of our lives. And it's amazing how God takes us and we go to church. And man, that day that you were saved and you got under conviction and you laid that at the altar and God began to do a work in your life. And and all of a sudden, you weren't the person that you used to be. You know what I'm saying? God changed you in a mighty way. God's got a plan for you. He's going to use you. We're vessels unto honor to accomplish the work of God. So, So God takes us, and God cleans us up to be able to do that. You were washed. It's a physical illustration there. So we get ready because I want to serve the table, and this is what we do. Is there anything wrong with what I just did? it's we're such were some of you and the warning that was there but a lot of times God cleans us up and then we end up doing this over again and then expecting to be used like this and God said well, well it doesn't work like that well how does it work well it's the second thing God God not only washed us and, and, and pulled us out of what I used to be and pulled us out of those habits and the old mindset and the pervertedness and the addictions and everything that I needed to be happy and satisfied, which really was just muck and dirt. That's why he pulled me out of that miry pit. And sometimes we, we, we get saved and we keep dipping back and forth and we're wondering why God doesn't use us. And all of a sudden, God knows our hearts and he says, no, bring it back. I'm not, I'm not going to use them like that. You know what the word sanctified means? You were washed and sanctified. Literally, when our spirit says to go back to that trash, says, no, that, you don't understand. You were sanctified literally mean that God pulled us out from where we were and put us someplace new. The word sanctified means to be set apart. I, I, when we do our dishes at home, we pull them out of the dishwasher, not back into the sink or back onto the floor or anything else. We pull them out of the dishwasher and we put them into a cabinet. We close them up and it's set apart for us to eat 
It's clean for a purpose. It's designed for something. And every one of us, you've got to understand what God did. God took us and poured us out of there, and he did a work in our life. And we're, we're, we've been cleansed, we've been sanctified, and God says, man, I, I've, I've got a plan for each and every one of you. You've been set apart for something. The third thing that he says in that passage, he said, you've been justified. I don't deserve this, but you've been made right. <laughs> People have said it just as if I hadn't sinned and the different things like that of the illustration. But I can tell you this, I'm not who I used to be. I just want us to have a visual of who we are today. And the fact that when I'm used by God and I'm in the hands of God and I've been cleansed by that, all of a sudden, even sanctification is progressive. I've never arrived. None of us have ever arrived. We don't get there and say, oh, I'm this. No, I'm constantly fighting my flesh. And God is constantly, every time I go to church, and man, something gets on me. God's like, all right, we'll clean that up. I'm, I'm constantly working on me. Why? Because I want to be used for the master. I want to carry out the mission. I want to be reached for the glory of God. I, I want to live pure and clean because of what God has called us to do. This is the process. And I think more or less, a lot of times, Christians are dancing from here to here all the time. And there's no satisfaction because they've been washed and they saved, but they're constantly dancing back over here and they're wondering why they're so miserable. Because this is where satisfaction comes from. So let's continue. This is verse 12. It goes into kind of the application where we're going, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So there's a lot going on with our culture and different things that were being said and done during this time. But Paul said, let me say this. He said, when it comes to meats of offered idols and all those other things, he said, there's a lot of things that I can do that I'm not breaking the law of God. I'm not. The Bible doesn't come, and I think it's some of those things that the Bible says, thou shalt not, whatever. But he drew it out the line of this, and he said, there's some things that are not expedient. They're, they're not good for me. Okay, they're, those are some of those the standards we set in our lives saying, I'm going to protect myself from this, or I'm not going to watch this type of movie, or I'm not going to go to this kind of party. I'm not, you know, it's, I'm going to put up a wall to protect myself with these things. But notice the last phrase of this, and I think everybody should underline this and understand this in their Bible, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You know, I, I've, been, I've been saved and bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and put over here, and there's no way that I'm going to allow that to have control on me anymore. That's what he's talking about. Listen, verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make the members of a harlot? God forbid. Can I visualize that? And it says, you're, you're members of Christ. Harlot was the sin illustration of like going out with a prostitute or something like that. Well, that's the opposite of this. And he says, well, you're members of Christ. You've been here. You're going to yoke up like this? God says, God forbid. He said, do you understand what you're doing when you go back and you're a member of Christ, but you're going to be joined unto that? God forbid. Verse 16, what? Knowing that which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh? But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So what do I do? He said, you flee fornication. Every, every sin that a man doeth with his body, 
But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. He said, well, why is this so important? He said, you don't understand. And all that you're doing, you're dragging the, the reputation and the, the character and the salvation, everything back into that again. So you understand that you're joined under Christ and that yet you drag your body into the things that he saved you from. What? Look at verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body belongs to God. Your body was purposed for God. It was purchased for God. It is paid for for God. So I'm going to ask you guys, and this is this is the illustration that I, I want to take. I want to don't want to. I don't want to be over here because that's not where we're at. I want to talk about the boundaries and dipping back and forth. And I'm saved, but I can do this, and then I can ask for forgiveness, and then I'll go back to this, and I'll backslide a little bit, and then I'll play with this, and I, I got off track. And this God says, "No, you've been sanctified. Let, let, let's pull you away and set you apart." For the use of the master. And over here, I want to take this perspective. And before we drag anything over here, we ask ourselves these questions. Are you ready? Number one. Does whatever I'm going to do, does it build me up or tear me down? Does it build me up or tear me down? And you say, this doesn't just talk, sound like you're talking about weed or whatever. No, this is the, we're going to talk about everything. We're talking about substance abuse and things like that. Do you realize that God promised me something in Philippians 1, 6? He said, being confident of this very thing, that he that begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. None of us have arrived, okay? None of us have arrived, but I can promise you this. Being in the hands of the master, being part of the body of Christ and his mission that he has and the fact that I've been designed by God for a specific purpose, I can be confident in this very thing, that God that begun the good work in me, he's going to continue it. He's not done with me. And I'm going to mess up and I'm going to slip up, but God's going to keep working on me. Working on me as a dad and a pastor and a husband and a friend and everything else. He, he's always doing things to bring me closer to him. Draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to him. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double mind. That's what God has promised. Let me tell everybody in here right now, there's no thing as being stagnant in your Christian walk. And everything that we're doing, we're constantly pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. We're not just sitting there. Everything God is constantly working in our lives, constantly building us up. That's why I ain't said, what is the purpose of the church? You know what it is? For the edification of the saints. You know what we come here to do? To build us up. You know why we eliminate and we talked about gossip and all those things? Because they tear you down. You know what that God said? Get it out of the church. Because the things that I have for your life are going to build you up. That's what God has for us. So ask the question, does this build me up or tear me down? 2 Corinthians 10 eight. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given unto us for edification. Edification, building up. And not for your destruction. I should not be ashamed. Let me tell you, anything that you get, when you're a tree planted by the rivers of water, you know what a tree planted by the rivers of water does? It grows. You know why he tells you to go to church? Because you grow. Everything that we're talking about, it makes us stronger for things. The things of God will not bring you down. The things that God has for you will not destroy you. The things that God has for you will not lead you astray. The things that God has for you will not tempt you to sin. 
Because James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift, the good things that I have in my life, they came from God. So all of a sudden, we sit there and debate, oh, whatever it is. I'm, I'm saying, put it on the table, whatever it is. If you say, this is dragging me down, this is pulling me away, this, this could be Netflix on your TV, this could be overeating, this could be anything, whatever. You have to ask yourself, is this pulling me away from God? Is this a struggle in my life? Is this boyfriend or girlfriend hindering me? Is it building me up or is it tearing me down? I'm going to ask you, what has smoking weed contributed to the cause of Christ? Has it, has it made marriages better, made teenagers better, made the church stronger, made evangelism stronger? And all my years of pastoring, I've never heard a, cu- a couple tell me, you know, saying, Pastor, are we, you know, things were horrible in the past, but praise the Lord, we're doing great praying and everything. And then, you know, what changed in your life? Well, we started smoking weed together. <laughs> Nobody's going to say, well, we started drinking together. Nobody's going to ever say those things. Wow, what changed your life? The things of God that I brought into my life that brought me closer to God. But I can tell you the opposite of how many stories, whatever the substance abuse has brought them away from God because you just do the self-test in your life saying, hey, this in my life, whether you're a teenager or whatever, is it bringing me closer to God? Is it lifting me up? Is it making me stronger? Is it tearing me down? Because I promise you, the things of God make us stronger. They never tear us down. Number two, does it bring glory to God? So Paul is in this debate, and he's talking to these Christians that are talking about the meat offered to idols and whether they should eat them and, and, and all these other things that there was the debates during that time. And that is so far beyond us because we don't go down the marketplace and find meat that was offered to a false god and we get a 50% discount on it and we feel like we're doing something wrong because that meat in the past was used for something bad. And, and so there was this big debate on them of doing stuff like that. Well, in the middle of that, 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says to the church, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever, whatsoever you do, you do it all to the glory of God. He said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do or dealing with meats offered to idols, Paul was saying the bigger issue is that everything that we do, we bring glory to God. So we start asking ourselves the question with everything that we do, will this hurt your testimony? Will, Will I have to break the law in order to do this? Is what I'm doing breaking my parents' rules in order to do this? Does it bring glory to God? Do you have to hide to do it? Does it bring shame to you? Because I'll tell you, with all the things that we do and all the running and hiding from the cops and everything, whether, whatever the issue is, whether it's at home or whatever, where people delete their tracks of pornography or they have issues with hiding these things in their houses and the police busting down their doors. And all, why is that? Because it's shameful and it's wrong and we hide it. The things that we do ought to bring glory to God. Literally meaning that they lift up Jesus Christ in our lives. Number three, and this is a big one. Does this harm my body? Does this harm my body? None of us would debate this. And I'm going to throw out something that's so obvious that you say none of us would debate this. Nobody in here is going to debate whether or not we would encourage people to commit suicide. Actually, it's the opposite. Me just saying those words sends chills down our spines. Why would anybody inflict self-harm upon themselves? And if I found somebody that was even remotely doing anything like that, you know what I'd do? I'd go after them and I'd start telling them this. 
I would tell them this. I'd say, you have purpose. You were created by God. God pulled you out of that, put you over here because he's got a plan for your life. And he's going to use your life. And you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and, and all the different promises and everything that goes for that. And so we would say, no, don't hurt yourself. Don't take your life because your life matters. Life matters. Don't harm something that holds so much value. It has purpose. You serve the Lord with your life. We belong to God. What know you not that your body is the temple of God, which you have in which you have of God's, and you are not your own. You're not your own. It doesn't belong to me. Everything that I have is for the glory of God and not for mine. You say, it's what the heart matters. Yes, but it's the body that carries out the mission that the heart holds. It does matter. We find people dealing with this self-harm, cutting themselves and things like that. You know what we do? That bothers us. You know why that bothers us? Because something is wrong inside their heart. They don't have the peace of God. That's why the maniac of Gadara was found in there and he was cutting himself. That's why we find the prophets of Baal and the story of Elijah praying down fire from heaven. And when they got to the point of being extremely desperate, they jumped on the altar and they cut themselves. They were desperately missing something inside of their life. And you know what God says? That is not of God. Self-mutilation of any point is not of God. I don't know everybody would sit here and say amen to that. The things of God, listen to this, I'm, I'm getting to my point. The things of God, says, for they are life, Proverbs 4.22, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. That's what the things of God does. It makes it better, makes it stronger, makes it grow. Jeremiah 33.6 says, behold, I will bring it health and cure. I will cure them is what God said. Not self-mutilation, not tearing it down, not making it worse, but making it better. Ephesians 6, 2, and you're going to say, what does this have to do? Listen to this. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long upon the earth. You know what the promise of doing good was? Was longevity of life. It, it means that when you have sin or problems, that you, you, you die early. But God said, I'll make you a promise. When you're doing what's right, I'll give you longevity upon the earth. You see where I'm going with this? You see... If those things are all true, true and, and if, if doing something in your body that would take your life or doing something that would, your body would destroy or hurt your life, it goes opposite of God because everything that God gives us makes us stronger and healthier and live longer for the glory of God. You know why? Because I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm not just existing. I'm living for the kingdom of God. You know why? To hold up the cross and lead others to Jesus Christ. To be in my home, to lead my children to Christ, to one day walk my daughter down the aisle and, 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 and preach and teach to my grandchildren and everything. That's, that's what God intended for me to do. But you know what sin does? Sin comes and takes life and it destroys. I was in the Philippines and they had uh, this cigarette counter on the back of this gas station we were going. And there they do things a little different than we do here in the United States. Every cigarette package, the front of it, of the cigarette package, was full-color graphic pictures of decayed lungs, people with lip cancer. I mean, just the grossest pictures you could imagine. And that was the advertisement for those things. And it literally said on there, because they do, this will kill you. <laughs> you know, and just like as blatant as possible. Medical studies that show that drinking of alcohol shortens life, your lifespan every 20 minutes. 
physical uh, uh, problems of marijuana is breathing problems and the smoke that irritates your lungs just like smoking does. And those that frequently smoke marijuana have the same breathing problems as those that smoke tobacco. And the, the list goes on and on. And, I, and like I said, I don't want to make it about, yeah, but that stat versus this stat and things like that. But the, the, the point being here is, how are we taking care of the body of Christ when we deliberately bring into our life things that bring us down? I don't know what you're thinking. Well, wait, wait a minute. You're, you're talking about smoking and marijuana and drinking all those other things. And everybody agrees, yeah, those things are bad. But I... Can I just touch on something that's going to hurt all of us just as much? If you go in the doctor's office and he sits you down and he starts telling you that the way you're eating is going to kill you, it's just as wrong as you pulling out a cigarette and doing that. And he says your, your diabetes and your high blood pressure and all this other stuff, and you continue in there, and we, we, we sit there and point out the problems of everybody else. Let me point out the same thing being with sugar or caffeine. And the doctor says that your sodium level, and, but I love potato chips, so your caffeine level. And you say, but I love coffee and tea. And you, your sugar level, but I, I love chocolate and ice cream. It, it's whatever. And the Bible says, no, you're not. That your body is the temple of God, which you have. And it's not your own. And therefore glorify God, which means lift up Jesus Christ and your body. It's our job. Yeah, why is this... So uncomfortable for us to talk about. Well, number one, because we all struggle. Because we all struggle. There, there's not one of us. And if, if with you, it's not smoking, the other person would be eating. If it's not eating, it's some form of the way that you're eating that nobody can tell because you have high blood pressure because you like bacon or whatever. And I don't know the sign, but it's, it's all these things. Let me say when it comes to the things of where you draw the line with some of these things, eating food and things like that are a necessity. Okay, Bible even says drink the sweet and eat the fat and things like that. It's, it's not a matter of those things being wrong or sin, but it does when it crosses the line where it's not in moderation, it begins to affect our health. You want to know why I'm a little more sensitive when it comes to these things? Boy, I'm just bearing my heart because I come from a family that has dealt with obesity to the point that it has affected me beyond what I care to describe from this pulpit. I've almost lost family members to this. And I know that, you, that sounds like an extreme ex exaggeration, but I can promise you it's not. So, so it comes down to your, your body doesn't belong to you. And, and the things that we do, God has not given us things to destroy it, mess it up, and tear it apart. And the same thing goes for abusing prescription drugs or anything else. And let me give you a test of this. And you say, well, I don't look at it that way. No, no, no. Let me ask, whatever the thing is, your hang-up or whatever, and you say it doesn't bother me, I don't see anything wrong with it, I would ask you the question, would that same thing that you do or that habit that you have in your life, would you recommend that to your kids? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and, you know, son, when you turn 21, I'm going to take you out for, you know, to get drunk for the first time or drink your first beer. Or I'm, I, I want you to be there. And I, here's a joint. Try this. And you say, no, I wouldn't do that. No parent would do. You know why? Because in your mind, you love them and you want to protect them. Can I tell you why God tells us all these things? Because your heavenly father created you and he loves you and he wants the best for you as well. You know something that's really sad if we're just, since we're just putting it all out there anyways, is when we have health problems that have drug us down and, and messed up our backs and knees and heart and all these other things and we get through there and then they're laying in the hospital and we're saying, God, why would you do this to me? And God said, wait a minute, it started back there at KFC, dude. 
I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to be real. How is it that we're going to be true to help people with the issues of life when we only point out the sins that we see blatant on the outside if the same principles apply to us on the inside? And everything, ask the question, does this hurt the body that God gave you? Is it going to hurt the testimony? Is it going to hurt your future? Number four, does this have the potential of leading you into sin? I can tell you, James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. The Bible says, verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's, it's, it's something real about pulling this out in this illustration to let you know that whatever path you step on and all of a sudden that leads to sin, God did not put you on that path. Whether it's drugs or prescription, all those other things that we abuse and do and whatever, God does not lead us into sin. That is my big argument with alcohol. And, and, and I know churches and everybody differ with that. Let me tell you, as your pastor, I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. The Bible screams very clearly that alcohol singeth like a viper. It's poison that comes into you. We sit there and play with it. And nothing good has ever come from it. It's never edified the family. It's never built up Christ. It's never made us stronger. It doesn't bring us closer to God. But I tell you, it does bite us. It does bring us down. It does destroy families. It does do all those things. And yet we play with it. It just reminds me of this illustration where we go back and forth and we wonder why there's no satisfaction in things like that because we're seeking the wrong things. Listen to this. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, Now that's talking about the sexual desires, but the same principle comes in there because he said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust that war against your soul. You know why he's saying that? With those things that we can see from the world, that there's places filled with rehabs and recovery groups and everything else, and God says, hey, listen, I'll never put you on that path to lead you to that. Never. So all the recreational things that we do to sit there and say it's just for fun, it might be fun for the moment because sin is fun for a moment. But I'll tell you, it has a path and an end that is destructive to everyone that touches it. It goes back into this. Whether it's alcohol and all the different things that we're talking about that have the addictive nature that we know even from society that even we bring to courts and sit there and fight and debate whether they should be legal in our states you know why because of the destruction that it brings that's why paul said in first corinthians 6 12 that we've been studying but i will not be brought under the power of any he said i'm not i'm not going to allow things in my life that i know that are going to grip a hold of me and take me down Leads me to number five, the fifth question. Does it lead you to lose control? Now, this kind of breaks things down right here. You know, I, I, I've joked about stuff like this in the past, and you're saying, well, you know, you're, you're talking about alcohol or marijuana and different things like that that alter your state of mind, and people also go to a buffet and they get hooked on the bread pudding or they get, you know, fall in love with, you know, whatever's at the buffet and saying it's the same thing that you lose self-control. But the difference is that self-control of that bread pudding or that going for the fourth time up for the dessert or whatever doesn't take control of you. Marijuana, alcohol, all these things that we're talking about are bondage and slavery or addiction because they grab a hold of you in your brain to have an addictive nature to them 
to put you in bondage. People have followed up the argument with the food thing. And let me just say this while we're there. Food is not the controlling agent. Food has no ability to control you. It's your flesh. You guys understand that? We're sitting there talking about, well, if I could could stay away from Oreos and all those other things. It's not that Oreo that has that power. It's your flesh that has the power. You know what I'm saying? We're giving the credit to the wrong thing, but the Bible says I can take a bottle of alcohol, and it says inside of that, there's a poison, there's an addictive nature, there's something about that that will pull you in and control you, getting your brain and make you obsessed with it. It's not the Oreos, it's not the Twinkies, it's our flesh that has the issues with those things. The Bible does not compare food to a viper. The Bible does not say that food wars against our soul. The Bible warns us against our flesh when it comes to those things. There's no takeover effect with food. No cop has ever pulled you over for weaving and said, sir, have you been to, you know, (laughs) I wasn't going to say it. I don't want to ruin business for anybody in here tonight, okay? (laughs) Talk about how many slices of pizza have you had tonight, sir, as you're looking through there. You may have to go home and have Tums, but you do not have to go to rehab, okay? Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So, so draws this distinction and says, Yeah, I can go there and I can. I got to eat a whole sleeve of Oreos. But I'll tell you, when the alcohol takes control, it's the one that woos you back for more. And same thing with these other things. But let me close with the most important one. And at first, you're not going to think it is the most important one, but this, this hits the root of the issue. With anybody and everybody that deals with this, the question that I would ask is why? Get over here, a a, a college student or a husband that drops off the drink or that student that feels like he's got to do recreational marijuana or that person that has to have the drugs to get them through school or whatever situation that you want to, I'd go to them and say, why? Why do you go over there and have the regret and wake up with the regret and you have to go through rehab and you're trying to quit and and that war and that battle and everything? I'd say, why did it start? Here's number, the sixth question. Is it a cheap substitute for the things of God? Let me, there's there's a question that a lot of people were asked. See, there's a reason that people say the things that, man, I need a drink. There's, there's a reason that people have this in their mind or in their effect that they, they feel like they have to have a, a drag on that joint or get a piece of this and that. And they get all of these things that have a grip on their mind that woos them or pulls them through those. Because it becomes that thing, it becomes a band-aid in their life over that issue. Rather than casting their cares upon the Lord, we use that substance to shut us down or zone us out. And by the way, what we do is our brains are made that way. We train our brains. It's called a habit. When our brain feels the effect of pain or stress or frustration or whatever, it calls to your mind for that numbing agent of whatever it is to come into your mind. That's why people have addictions. That's why when somebody goes through a really hard time or they lose a loved one, you, and they, they, they relapse and they end up back drinking or they go back to doing a drug or they're going through school and they break down because they lost a job or whatever and they go to those things. Why? They're starving. They're craving for that numbing agent to numb the feeling of the pain or whatever it is. People have been asked, why do you drink or why do you do drugs and the different things that here's the top three answers that people have given. It helps me deal with my problems. 
They say it drowns my sorrows. It's an escape for me. I, I use it to freeze my brain or to get me out of the situation so I don't have to deal with it. But I'll tell you the truth of the matter is it's there the next morning and it's usually worse. Number two, this is what was said about weed and all these different things. It helps me to have a good time. That's why they have it at parties. That's why they have these things. Those that feel like they, they can't uh, chill out and they're stressed out and those things like that. And it helps me to have a good time. Uh, or, or it helps me to have a good time. But also, number three, it says it makes me happy. The high makes me happy. I enjoy the buzz. Here's where the problem comes in. It's Jesus Christ that makes us happy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the Lord that helps me the mellow out when I've had a bad day because he is the peace that passes all understanding. It's the Lord that helps me deal with my stress or helps me with my problems because he said to cast your care upon him for he careth for you. That's why he said take my yoke upon you and I'll get you through that issue. I'll give you the strength to deal with it, not blank out in it. I'm not going to make your brain numb so you don't feel the effects of it. He said I'm going to help you get through this storm, not ignore it. And I feel like with all these things, when it comes down to it, you simply ask the question, why is it even a debate to begin with? Because we have found that it's easier to go get a joint or drink or smoke or whatever it is to get our minds off of these things. And we, we smoke when we're stressed or we go get drugs, whatever, when we feel pain or because we're going through heartache or whatever. And the truth of the matter is we skip the promises of God and we go to a cheap substitute and we're ripped off by the devil. And I get that with the devil because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the peace of God. They don't have all those things, but we do. You will never have to go through rehab with the peace that God gives us. And when you get done, you know what he says? He'll make us stronger. He'll make us closer. He makes us a better father, a better dad, a lifted up, a stronger person through all of these things that we deal with. I guess when it comes to this, there is no verse for half these things that we're talking about. But there's all these biblical illustrations that we have, and we could go into about stumbling block and a witness and, and you know, the chain effect of these things and generational sin and all these other things that we could go into it. But let's, not, let, let's end with this principle. You've been saved for a purpose and I tell you, once God saves you, you start running out for the things of God and you start finding your joy in serving God and raising your family and seeing people saved and all this other stuff. All of a sudden, you're that void in your life and all those things that you need. There, there is a joy and a satisfaction and a happiness and things like that 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 muck could never bring you. But when you ruin your relationship with God and you start getting astray, you're tempted to go back. It's like the Bible describes about the dog that returns to its vomit. Say that's disgusting, and that's exactly what God said. Yes, it's disgusting. Every one of us, let me be honest, every single one of us here tonight will struggle with something. 